Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello again, and welcome to another Ominous Origins podcast with me, Casey. Now, before we get into anything, I do want to let you know about a couple of things that are going to be happening this month. As you may know, February is Women in Horror Month. Last year, I interviewed one person, that was Kristen Zaza from the podcast, A Dark Cold Night, which you should absolutely go check out yourself. But this year, I want to do something different. I want to go bigger. And that is exactly what I'm going to do. Right now, I'm aiming to upload two podcasts a week, each featuring a new woman in horror that you may or may not have heard of. So you can look for updates on Wednesdays and Fridays from here on out. I'm looking so much forward to this, it's ridiculous. And to top it off, our very first one comes from our sponsor, Morbidly Beautiful. And of course, that is morbidlybeautiful.com. The founder, editor-in-chief, and creative genius, that is Stephanie Malone, was kind enough to sit down with me for about 45 minutes to an hour, where we talk about everything to do with women in horror, morbidly beautiful, and what she has going on herself. Like I said, I'm very excited for this month. So this is the very first Women in Horror interview. This is Stephanie Malone. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Alrighty, so yeah, uh, Stephanie... Uh, we were just talking actually a little bit about uh, women in horror and how we put out a casting call, so to speak, for people who are interested in showcasing their work. And I, I'm sure we're both as surprised as we can be about the response we've gotten so far. It's been up, what, like three, four days? And we've yeah. already got how many people do you think we've got so far? Um, I, I would say like maybe a dozen. Uh, I haven't, yeah. I've kind of lost count, but and they keep the responses keep flooding in, so... Yeah, which is very encouraging because uh, yeah. you never know when stuff like that goes out. Um, so in that context, why do you think Women in Horror Month is so important? Let's get the hard questions out of the way. Sure. Um, well, I think that context actually is a good springboard for that conversation because, you know, I mean, and to be honest, like we put out a lot of, you know, calls for various um you know, contributors and uh, content and feedback. And, you know, a lot of times that stuff just kind of goes out into the void and you maybe you'll get one or two responses. But, um, you know, a lot of that stuff gets ignored. But when we post something like this, the response is overwhelming. And I think that's because um, it sort of reinforces like how hard it is. Like this is something that you and I talked about, you know, offline is how hard it is to kind of get exposure and um, get recognition. I think it's so easy to for... And I hear a lot of arguments where people say like, oh, do we even need Women in Horror Month? <clears throat> and don't you think women get plenty of coverage now, plenty of opportunities? There's women making films. There's women, you know, in front of the camera. Um, so kind of what's the big deal? And I think it's easy to sort of think, oh, yeah, like there's tons of opportunities for women because you see, and especially like you see so many um, actresses. Horror is a great genre for really um, creating strong roles for women. And so, and actually just post an article on the site about why horror is such a feminist genre. 
and how many great roles are written for women, um, both as antagonists and, and protagonists. And so that's easy to see that and say like, oh, well, there's this great opportunity for women. And there is in a lot of ways. But a lot of the behind the scenes, um, the people that aren't kind of front and center, um, they're still really struggling. They're struggling to find equality. They're struggling to find recognition. They're struggling to be in the same playing field as the men in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, it really just reinforces that this is still something that's very needed. And, you know, we still talk about the screen queens. We talk about the big directors. But especially on Morbidly Beautiful, we're really trying to make a point to talk about the FX artists and the, um, you know, behind the scenes talent and the writers and the artists and the podcasters and the YouTubers and all of the amazing, talented women in horror that don't have as much of a voice and as much of a platform and aren't as recognized and celebrated. Um, there's a lot of women um, doing some amazing work that nobody really knows about. And there's a lot of areas in the genre where women aren't as well represented and i think that's why it continues to be so important and such a big focus now do you think that kind of what you touched on there with women not getting recognized in horror do you think that's kind of a, a symptom of the widespread uh, i guess hollywood culture that is still very much run by men for men so on and so forth or is it do you think it's more isolated in the horror genre that these women because it does have kind of a, as feminine as it is, and we'll touch on that in a little bit, it's still very masculine in the sense that, you know, it's generally catered towards what men like. They like the violence, they like the, yeah. the sex and the, the blood and the gore and all that sort of stuff. So do you think that the symptoms of, it's just kind of like a rundown from the other genres within movie making? Sure. I mean, and, you know, to be fair, we've made a lot of progress. We continue to make progress. I don't ever want to, you know, sweep that under the rug and pretend that mm -hmm. like things aren't getting better and that um, there aren't more and more opportunities every year, which is exciting to see. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's definitely a symptom of the bigger Hollywood machine. Um, right. And, you know, as we mentioned before, like I think horror's better than most genres. Like horror has really been at the forefront of change and um, being progressive and really like putting women front and center in a lot of ways, especially like with regards to, you know, great roles and, um, you know, giving opportunities for lots of great acting talent and giving opportunities for uh, female directors to really um, kind of get noticed and take the reins. So, you know, it's a great genre for that. But yeah, there's still, we had a lot of work to do. We had a long road to go to make <laughs> progress. But, um, you know, by the same token, there's still a long way to go. And there's still lots of um, areas where there needs to be more recognition and there needs to be more opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned, of course, acting and directing. But what are these other opportunities that you want to see women kind of excel and get more notification or notoriety rather in rather than just like the stereotypical or not stereotypical, but typical uh, big roles, you know, like the, the lead actress yeah. or the director, what other roles do you want to see more come to the forefront? Um, well, you know, there's, there's a push among, um, especially among uh, female directors to, you know, not only focus on female driven stories um, and giving the opportunity at the sort of like the headline roles, but really having a set full of women, having a lot of women behind the scenes in various roles, you know, especially in the, in the world of like, you know, FX and 
editing and sound design and lighting and all of these areas that are extremely important to the success of a film, um, they continue to be very male dominated. So, um, you know, I think that there's now a concerted effort to have more, you know, have more women on the set in these supporting roles that are equally important that don't get as much, you know, obviously attention and recognition. Um, and beyond that, like taking it outside of film, I mean, it's, this genre is huge and there's so right. many areas where women have a chance to make an impact. Um, you know, we do horror journalism. I mean, that's an area where, um, you know, more and more women are starting to kind of be involved in that. But historically, that's been a very male dominated field. It still continues to be. So having more mm. voices covering horror, writing um, more voices in the world of like music and writing and um, art and all of the different areas um, that impact the genre beyond just, you know, film and beyond just the like big roles that everyone kind of talks about and knows about. Yeah. So people generally associate the behind the scenes, especially of film with men. Uh, there's not often a great deal of women directors or uh, maybe producers a little bit more, but especially in the directing and uh, special effects field and stuff like that. Like you said, it's very male dominated, especially in the horror realm. When you think about, you know, the, the greats like uh, Tom Savini and, and people like that. It, why do you think that they just don't get the recognition? Obviously there's, there's women out there who are just as good, if not better than these people who are doing it full time every day on major Hollywood films, be it horror or any genre. So what do you think is the, the barrier that needs to be broken? Why can't people just accept that? Yeah. Hey, you know, Sally can do just as well as Jim. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that's a, a tough one. Question. That's a loaded <laughs> question. Um, it's a little bit. Of, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, obviously like years and years of, you know, historical context tied into that. Um, I, I don't want to sound too much of like, Oh, it's, you know, the patriarchal system. Um, but you know, there's definitely it, it is I mean, <laughs> you can say it in like, I mean hateful way like oh you know damn man it's just the way right. that it's been for the longest time um these were male dominated roles male dominated fields um and I mean that's just the way it was and the men you know ran the show and they you know they mm -hmm. had all the power and the money behind them so they got all the recognition and the backing and the support and the media attention and, um, you know, it's like when we talk about privilege, it's like the privilege of being a man in this, you know, structure that is male dominated. You just have a, you know, you have a natural advantage. And so it's, it's a harder yeah. road for women coming up in this and trying to get parity and trying to get the same recognition. And even if they get the opportunities, which is still kind of few and far between in a lot of areas, even if they get the opportunity, um, they don't have the same backing. They don't have the same access to exposure. They don't have the same kind of machine behind them. So they have to work, you know, twice as hard to get half as much. And um, I think mm -hmm. that that's just because there's such a long history of women having such a small voice, if any voice at all, um, that takes a lot of time. And, you know, as far as what needs to change, I think we're doing the thing that needs to change. Like this having you know, this, like the month dedicated to women in the genre. And it's, you know, obviously it's bigger than just the genre. We focus on the genre, but having a whole month dedicated to this, having a, having people, you know, constantly talking about um, trying to shine a light on these issues and spotlighting these talented women that maybe don't 
have as much exposure, as much of a voice, um, and continuing to push and continuing to talk about that, hey, this is still an issue. And yes, we've made progress and let's celebrate that progress, but let's not forget that there's still a long road to go and we've got to keep working. Yeah, so the traditionalists tend to think, oh, they've made enough progress. So why do we need to keep supporting them in this sort of whole month thing? And, and you could argue the same for other uh, organizations or people that have days, weeks, or months dedicated to them, like gay yeah. pride. People still think, why do we have gay pride? It's, it's accepted now. You don't need to have this anymore. Where's, where's the straight pride? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it, I think they're missing the point. Uh, a lot of those people think that yeah, okay, just because you start at zero and now you're at 10, it doesn't mean you're at 100 or where you want to be. Progress doesn't mean the journey's over. It yes. just means you've taken the first few steps. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of, they, they don't want to accept it. Yeah. And maybe it's because they feel threatened, maybe because they don't think traditionally that women have the, the same abilities or whatever. And as time is moving on, obviously this is going to, go by the wayside like people are gonna never have that sort of um disconnect again where you know we all know that men and women can do the exact same thing yeah sure there might be physical limitations like generally a man is going to be stronger than a woman if you put two average side by side but that doesn't mean the woman is less useful in certain aspects right yeah and you can just transfer that over to film or media in general with especially horror I mean, we, we talked about how feminine horror actually is if you stop and look at it. Generally, it's always a, a girl who survives the killer or the event or the ordeal. They're generally always the hero, especially in the good ones. And we just think, oh, yeah, but we don't remember Lori. We remember Michael. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know... I think that anyone who champions women in Horror Month, um, champions like having a month dedicated to celebrating, um, you know, the underrepresented work of women, all of us, like our ultimate goal, if you ask us like, oh, what do you want to get out of this? It's to mm-hmm. not have to celebrate women in Horror Month. It's not <laughs> have to celebrate because it's not necessary because it's just, yeah. you know, there's parity and there's equality. And this, and, you know, when people talk about like, oh, okay, we haven't we done this to death? It's like, the fact that we've made progress is representative of the fact that this is working. I mean, that's the whole point. Like you do this so that every year, hopefully it's better and better and better. And then, you know, in a, in the perfect world, you get to a point where this is completely unnecessary. We're not there. We're a long way from being there, but people get so frustrated and they say, Oh, well you have this, this, and this now I'm like, yes, because we're fighting for it. Like, and that's yeah. why we fight for it. So you're basically just reinforcing why this is important and necessary and why we do this. And I get, you know, I get a lot of sometimes like flack because I talk about equality a lot. And I think it's hard because, and I, you know, I understand this position, but men sometimes feel attacked because if you say, what about the women? They're like, they think somehow you want to recognize a woman just because she's a woman or you want to, you know, you want something to exist to be female driven just because, because like, right. For the sake of it. Yeah. And that's not what this is about. I mean, there's an incredible wealth of male talent that deserves to be recognized and supported, which we do recognize and support. I mean, if I'm going to list out a lot of my favorite filmmakers and films, they're going to be male driven, right? They're going to be like Mm -hmm. male filmmakers. 
Um, so this isn't about not celebrating the work of men and not giving men, you know, a platform and a voice, which I feel like they absolutely have. It's about, right. um, you know, there's a lot of talented women out there and they shouldn't get something just because they're women, but they should have the same opportunity. They should have the same right to create and to be heard and to have a platform. And if, you know, some, if a male comes along who does a better job, then obviously, you know, the, the marketplace sort of like is going to elevate the superior work, but you have to start with a level playing field for that to play out, for it to be just a, about talent and about what somebody's bringing to the table. And as long as we have that level playing field, then it isn't about like, we shouldn't really, and I don't, I don't even like it when we have to talk about like, oh, that's a female directed film. Like, isn't that great? Like, it's a great film because, you know, and a female did it too. Isn't that great? Right. right. It's a little condescending. Yeah. Yeah. It should just be, but like, we, we kind of have to recognize it. Like, look, like we have to call it out and say, there's an incredible female talent Mm -hmm. working that deserves more opportunity. Um, When it should just be, that's an incredible talent. Yes. You shouldn't have to preface it with, yeah, it's a woman director, right? Yes. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like that point you made about we do Women in Horror Month, so one day we won't have to. Yes. That I've never thought about it that way before, and that's a really insightful thing to, to say, really, about how, yeah, I mean, why do we need it? We need it to bring exposure to people who generally, in everyday life, may not get the exposure they deserve. But once they get that exposure, we won't need this anymore, which is a really great thing, I guess, yeah. when you can hit that point. Yes. And I just, I don't know, I just, I just really like that. That's going to be like a soundbite quote. <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that, that should be used in more things. That's, that's really good. Um, yeah, I mean. Well, you know, we do, we do the, the, the Women Hormone Challenge over on our Instagram page for Morbidly Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's such a good like indicator because there are certain prompts that talk about like, oh, your favorite scream queen. And I mean, nobody struggles with that. Everyone can come up with and you'll get a variety. You'll get tons of different options for that. Um, you know, you mm-hmm. kind of the big names that you expect. But, um, you know, people can do that all day and night. But you start to put up some of the other categories like you start to say, like, all right, like, um, you know, best screenplay by a woman or mm-hmm. even, you know, best film from last year that was directed by a woman. Or right. you know, if you get even more granular, start to talk about best like female FX artists or um, right. any of those kind of specialty. People will struggle and you will see the same one or two, like for everybody. You'll, you know, there'll be like a hundred people participating and, you know, there's like a handful of names represented. And that wouldn't be the case if you put, if this was like, if you, if it was opened up and it wasn't just about women and it mm-hmm. is indicative of the fact that, you know, while they're, like I said, well, there's a lot of like opportunity for women. There's a lot of areas where you're going to struggle to find a name. You're going to struggle to think of somebody you're going to, and, and that should tell you like, this is, this is why we do this because it's exactly. not that easy. And it's not as ubiquitous as you think it is just when you first think about it. Right. Yeah, it's it's very surface level. Yeah, yeah. Like you see the face, you can associate Jamie Lee Curtis with Scream Queens, but can you name a, a female uh, or famous female director who's done incredible horror movies off the top of your head? Like you and I can, 
because they cover uh, they they got covered recently, at least the one I'm thinking of on more on morbidly beautiful, fairly recently with um, the Soska sisters. Yeah. Right. Um, but I mean, beyond that, it's becoming increasingly more difficult to think of famous horror female directors. It's oh. becoming a little more mainstream um, with you know like how Wonder Woman was directed by a woman and. Um, I think Captain Marvel was too. And the, these big movies are getting women attached to them. So hopefully that's a trickle-down effect, kind of like how everything else, as you mentioned, the big Hollywood machine trickles down the, the, the traditions and it will eventually hit the horror genre. But until then, we, we have Women in Horror Month. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And one of the things I was reading about is it's not just, it's not just, okay, like, let's let a woman direct. Um, and <clears> this this is even, you know, more so for like when you, branch out into like mainstream hollywood but it's you know i've read articles about like if a female driven film fails it's incredibly hard for the woman to get another opportunity at that level Mm, um they sort of you know have this blacklist against them um for for making a film that failed whereas men don't have that same like you can make a you can make a film that tanks terrible movie you know get a multi-billion dollar contract like you know, the next month. Two weeks later. It's like, yeah. it's, so, so there's ramifications beyond just like, oh, like, do women get a chance to come to the table? It's like, what standards are they held to? And how are they evaluated? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it that much higher? Yeah. Then for, for whatever reason, it seems to be that much, you know, one, it's almost as if one representative of the gender, like whoever fails, it means every women woman is going to fail which is unrealistic and yeah. dumb to think about i mean it, i just remember a, a radio commercial i heard the other day uh, it's for some tv show i don't remember what the show was but it had the the voice over the, the main character she's like i'm the first female chief of police in los angeles ever and if i mess this up then there'll never be another female chief of police yeah. and i'm like yeah okay I, I, yeah i mean it's you never really think about it that way until you break down, you look at history and think, oh, yeah, that movie flopped. It was done by a female director. Yeah. Where is she now? Right. But that movie flopped by how many terrible movies has, I mean, I'm going to preface this with, I love Kevin Smith, but he's done some very weird movies in the past, but he still oh, keeps I making them Kevin and he's Smith. still, right. But I mean, like, yeah, like T- Tusk was, it was great, but it was like, what the hell is going on here? But, yeah. um, then he, he still gets contracts to make other movies. Cop Out was <laughs> brutal. But, I mean, right. he comes back and he's still very much beloved in Hollywood. And can you say the same for, like you said, a, a female or even a trans director? You mean, you don't hear about yeah. that too often other than I think the, the two who made the Matrix tr- sequels, they were trans, I believe. I can't remember their names. So I, I can never pronounce their names. The little children. I can't, I'm going to try it. Um, <laughs> but I mean, besides the Matrix, have they yeah. done a whole lot? Yeah. And, you know, it's like, like we take Wonder Woman, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. That It's not just when you have those kind of stakes, you know, and you have, um, and not only like female driven, but like, oh, it's a female superhero, um, which is right. always, you know, always been a struggle to, um, you know, the studios for the longest time wouldn't make female driven um superhero movies because they didn't think that their audience would respond they didn't think a woman would carry a movie like that and so wonder woman became not just like oh let's see if we can make a good superhero movie but it's like 
it was like a test. Like, let's see mm-hmm. if a female superhero can succeed. And so there's all right. this, like extra baggage that comes with it. Besides like any other, you know, there's been superhero movies that have been terrible, that have bombed, that have tanked. Most of them, yes. right? And other than like the recent ones. Obviously, we're still making them. We're still like putting huge mm-hmm. budgets into them. They're still like, you know, killing it at the box office. There's there's mm-hmm. still a huge industry. Um, but with, you know, a female superhero movie, there's so much pressure. Even though Wonder Woman did really well, like if Black Widow comes out and doesn't do well, um, and we'll go right Same. back to saying like, oh, no, this is because like women really, I mean, Wonder Woman's the exception. Like that was the rare mm-hmm. thing, but other ones can't. And it's, that's just the culture that we have that we have to kind of constantly fight against. And it's a very weird dichotomy, I guess. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but I mean, Wonder Woman, if you look at the comics, has been one of the most popular and beloved characters since the beginning of comics. Mm-hmm. So the fact that people are like, I don't know if this is going to sell. I don't know if people are going to want to see a superhero woman. People have been buying, and traditionally the comic book the audience is men. Yeah. They've been buying these books for decades. I think, don't hold me to this. I haven't fact-checked it. I'm just kind of pulling this out of my ass a little bit. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that Wonder Woman is in the top three of DC's selling list. I think it goes Batman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Superman. Really? Superman I think, I um, think so. The last time I checked the list, I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. That was a f- long time ago. It was a few years ago. But I'm yeah. pretty sure she's in the top three or four, regardless. I mean, I would definitely believe that. Right? She's a great character. Yeah. And the fact that these studio executives are like, I'm not sure if this comic book character that sells 20 million comics a year is going to put butts in the seats because it's a female. Like, that's just ridiculous. It, you know, it doesn't it's make just, any it's sense. It's just dumb. Yeah. It, it doesn't. Ugh, I don't know. I don't know. I do want to talk to you, though, about um, not to sell women horror months short at all or anything <laughs> like that. But I do want to talk to you about Morbidly Beautiful. Okay. And it's your baby, right? Yeah, it's my baby. Yeah. So how did that get started? Tell us the history of Morbidly Beautiful. What got you into it? What was the inspiration? All that kind of jazz. Delve deep into your, (laughs) uh, whatever, the back of your mind and pull out those memories. I'm glad you said that because I feel like every time I tell this story, I'm always like, Okay, I need to try to make this shorter. And I always try to make the <laughs> story and it always looks a bit longer. I'm going to try to be brief. Um so and it's hard because I'm like, it feels like I think this is our fifth year, if I'm not mistaken. We're entering our fifth year. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it feels like I've been doing it for 30 years at this point. Like it's hard for me to remember a point when I wasn't involved with Morbidly Beautiful, but there was a point where um I mean I'm I've been a passionate horror fan from since as old as I can remember. Um, and I was watching pretty intense horror movies when I was really little, um, which either mm-hmm. means I had, you know, great parents or, or bad parents, <laughs> not how you look at it. But um, I, you know, really wasn't sheltered from anything. And I never had nightmares. They never, like, affected me. I just loved them. I always loved, I love movies um, in mm-hmm. general. And I always loved horror. So, um, and I was a writer. So um, I was an English major in school and also um, went to film school. So I kind of have both of those loves. And um, yeah, so I, I was a writer and I loved being able to, and I had like personal blogs and stuff and I loved being a kind of able to kind of express myself. Um, but I had never looked at like horror journalism, which is kind of surprising. Um, but I had a couple of friends at the time who wrote for this horror website. 
and we got to talking and they were like, oh my God, you would be, and at the time as well, I was working with a lot of indie films and I was helping produce like micro budget type stuff. And I was art directing some films and doing some things. So I was kind of heavily involved with the indie horror scene. And a couple of my friends said, you should audition for the site. You should write, you'd be great. And I never really thought of it, but I was like, actually that like, I'm kind of surprised I hadn't thought of it. That sounds like a great thing. I would love to talk about horror. Um, so I was working on a film I was helping produce and, um, working in, in our direction on uh, this kind of micro budget indie film. And I decided my first piece was going to be interviewing the guys behind this film. And, um, so I did this really, I had this really great interview. They gave me these amazing answers. I put it all together, um, did a couple of other like audition pieces, wrote about some other stuff I was really passionate about. And once I did it, you know, it's one of those things like you don't realize how much you want to do it until you do it. And then it becomes the thing that you're like consumed by. Mm -hmm. So once I wrote these pieces, I was so proud of them. I was, and they were so excited to have them published, um, submitted them and just had kind of really shitty timing because, um, right at the time that I was going through this process, um, the site was basically folding. I didn't realize this it just kind of happened mm. behind the scenes and right, the editor right. kept going like, Oh, I'm busy. I've got this going on. I've got this going on. I'll get back to you at some point. And it, a long time had passed, and I was like, look, like, you know, this is kind of a timely piece. They're excited to see it published. You have any timing estimates? And then she was basically like, I, look, I have to take a step back from the site. I'm not going to be able to do it. So I was like, hmm. and so, but then it's like in my head, right? Now it's like consumed me. Now I'm like, I've convinced myself that this is what I'm going to do. I've got people who are excited. Um, you know, I have things and I've realized like there's things that I can talk about. There's ways that I can, and I loved the thing that I loved about it is it was a way for another way for me to help support indie horror, which is something I'm really big in. I'm really big into the indie scene and supporting, mm -hmm. you know, those people who are kind of doing it on their own, the DIY filmmaking and really trying to, you know, have a unique voice and get it out there. And so, um, you know, I was, I was like, I kind of had this moment of like, well, what do I do now? You know? And I started thinking about it and I thought about like all of the thing, all of my interests and all of my kind of skill set. And I was a writer, you know, I was, I knew a lot about film. I had gone to film school. I was really passionate about horror. Um, I was also, I also happened to luckily be a web, a professional web designer and a graphic designer. Um, Handy. So, yeah. So I had kind of this broad <laughs> skill set and I thought like, well, I could just do my own site and that had never crossed my mind. And that was a big undertaking, but I thought like, all right, well, I've got these articles written. I've already got content ready to go. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just going to build my own site. And so honestly, like in a weekend, I became obsessed. I didn't, I don't think I slept. Well <laughs> and I built this site from the ground up, not having any idea what it was going to be, where it was going to go. I didn't really have a plan. I didn't know what my, expect. I didn't have any expectations. I just was like, I'll put it up. It'll be a platform at the very least. I'll do some personal blogging and I get to talk about horror. Maybe I'll connect with some of the horror fans, have a little community. Um, it'll be a great outlet. And that's really how it started. And my friends who I, who had basically convinced me to apply for the other site ended up coming over to my site and kind of helped me start kick things off. Um, so it was great because they, they had lost one platform, but they had a new one to go to. And granted, I didn't have an audience. I didn't have traffic. I didn't have <laughs> anything, but they were supportive. Um, and so it started with a couple of people. And then I sort of picked up another couple of people from, you know, people that I connected with the community via social media, like people I'd met on Twitter, people I um, saw that were kind of out in the sphere that maybe didn't have a big home because I wasn't going to poach anybody from bloody disgusting or dread central, but for people who were just doing personal blogging 
Um, mm-hmm. They were kind of excited to come aboard a site. And honestly, it just grew from there. And it grew so rapidly. And it became a thing. And I never meant for it to be a thing. Not that I wasn't excited about it. <laughs> it was just going to be this website where I dabbled and got to talk about my love of horror. And I realized like mm-hmm. other people were looking for the same thing. And then as the site grew, it gave me the opportunity because if you're somebody new starting out and you don't have credentials and you don't have, you haven't written for, um, you know, other professional sites, you, it's very hard to get in your, in the door in a well-established mm-hmm. horror website. Like you can't just go and, you know, to one of these bigger, you know, established sites and say like, oh, I want to write and then just get a job. So this right. gave me a platform to bring on people who were passionate, who had this great voice and who had a lot of talent, but who didn't have any experience. And they were able to grow with the site. So I have people that have been on there on here since the beginning and we've exponentially grown, especially the past couple of years. We've got a pretty big staff now, but you know, in the mm-hmm. beginning, um, there were people that started out that like, this was their first foray into horror journalism, just like it was for me. And they were able to grow with the site and they're, you know, some of my best like contributors right now. Um, people that started off with like no background and no experience that wouldn't have been able to go anywhere else, but, but were able to give an opportunity and they have like an amazing voice and they're creating incredible content. And, um, you know, now we're like this family and uh, it's, I look at it now and I look at what it's become and, and how it continues to grow. And I'm really just blown away. And I think if I had tried to plan that in the beginning, it wouldn't have worked. I think the fact that I went in with no expectations and just went in with passion um, and excitement is really what gave me the springboard to make it what it is today. Yeah. I mean, that's (laughs) part of the thing with starting something of your own is that expectation. Mm -hmm. Never know how well something's going to do. And like, I have that experience with the podcast. When I first started, like, First time I got five downloads on an episode, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. This is the greatest day of my life. And it was probably just me refreshing the page to see <laughs> if anybody, and it counted that as, like, a download or something. But in my mind, like, I'm I'm Joe Rogan now. Like, this is, yeah. I'm the best. But I, I know what you mean. And it's hard to kind of curb your expectations a little bit, yeah. especially when things do start to pick up. And you're like, you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. And as long as you still have that passion, like you said, for it, which you obviously still do because you probably put more work into this than you do like your day job. Yeah. Don't tell my um, part, but I surely do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, like, I know how that goes and it's, it's just, it's incredible to see something like this, something that kind of started just from an idea yeah, uh, and, and a form of building on not somebody else's thing, but taking, looking at like, well, could that, that, site was I wanted to be that yeah I wanted to write for them and then they fell apart you didn't have to pick up the reins so to speak but you did and that shows a lot of character I think uh in terms of the kind of person you are and to to continue on with it because a lot of people once it gets a little overwhelming and they start putting in like 40 50 hours a week into a a side gig I guess you could call it yeah they kind of burn out and they they close her down because they just don't know what else to do. They, they lose their personal life or it starts affecting other aspects of their life. But if you got the passion for it, just keep going at it, right? Yeah. And I think that's what people don't realize is that I mean, it is, I mean, it's a full-time job. And like you said, mm-hmm. I put in more time and effort into this than I do my 
full-time paying gig. And this is, I mean, mm -hmm. Morbidly Beautiful is an unpaid gig. It's all volunteer. Everybody that writes is volunteer. It's not for profit. Um, so we're just doing it for the love and we're doing it for the passion. And yeah, I mean, it's, there's days where I'm like, what am I doing where I'm stressed and overwhelmed and, <laughs> you know, I'm working, you know, a hundred hours a week and I'm like, okay, who needs sleep? But, and, you know, I think, I think honestly, if it was just me, it would be easier to say, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, this is too much, you know, I'm going to scale it back. I don't, I don't really mm -hmm. know if I want to do this, but because I've been fortunate enough to build a team and to have mm -hmm. all of these incredibly talented and passionate people who believed in me enough to join me in this journey and who support me and who like they could, and, and there's writers on the site now that have written for like, you know, major websites and major publications and who have made films and have done all of these things who could go anywhere and do anything. And the fact that they choose to write for me and the fact mm -hmm. that people, you know, who have, once they've gained a certain amount of experience, they continue to stay with the site and continue to be loyal. Um, I mean, that means the world to me and I, I don't take it for granted, but the fact that now I feel like people depend on me and are <laughs> along the journey with me now, it's like, I can't give up, you know, because Right uh, now, it's not just me, and I don't ever think of the site now as my site anymore. I think of mm -hmm. it as you know, everybody that contributes to the site, it's their site. Like we are a team, we are a family. I couldn't do any of this without them, and so I, I don't want to let them down. I want to continue to give them a forum that they can express themselves and to make sure that they feel like they have a home. And so now, like it doesn't matter when I have those days where I'm like, I, this is ridiculous. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I've lost my mind which is often, I think that, um, <laughs> it's fleeting. You know, I have those thoughts and then I'm like, no, you know, this, I'm doing this for a reason. Um, people believe in this for a reason and it's important. And so um, that's what keeps me going. And I'm grateful yeah. for that. Well, I think you you kind of nailed the, 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 nailed the head on the hail is what I was going to say there. Wow. <laughs> that's always a good I don't know that phrase. start to a ten. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. So start it. No, I, I really think you nailed it when you said that even though people have experience on the website and gained a lot of experience and have written for uh, other sites, I don't want to say bigger sites because I don't want to discredit oh, Morbidly really Beautiful at all. It's, but, you know, I, I know some of them have written for Screen Rant and uh, I think I saw Bloody Disgusting Bloody on a disgusting. couple of people's sort yeah. of resumes on there. Um, but they still choose. You, you used the word choose. And I don't think you did that intentionally, but you you said choose to write for me still. And that really shows the character of you again, that you're a great leader. You're not a boss. You're a leader. You show by example. And people want to repay you for, you know, giving them the chance and, and sticking with them. And they, in turn, want to stick back with you. And that that goes, again, like I said, to just the type of person you are. And it just shows that the horror community in general isn't just, you know, metalheads with tattoos on their faces and spiky hair. It's yeah. really friendly people. It's one of the yeah. close-knit, one of the really close-knit communities, I think, in the media genre and in film especially. There's a lot of support. There's a lot of people who want to see other people succeed, even if it is at their expense. Um, and I, I say that, in, like, if you're up for an award for a movie for an indie film or something like that, and you lose, you're still going to be happy, genuinely happy, not just like the fake, yay, yeah. but you're actually happy for the other person who won because you know what they went through to make what they did. And it, I think it's just a very 
I just love the horror community for that. Me too. <laughs> you know, and and it's filled with people like you in there who who are very supportive and people just genuinely like. Yeah, I mean, and that's like we have writers on the site who are indie filmmakers, and. Mm -hmm. They're incredibly passionate. I'm not talking. I mean, they never talk about their own work. They never. They're never like, "Oh, can you review my film or can you plug this?" Um, I don't ever get any of that. All they want to do is celebrate other indie filmmakers and mm -hmm. uh, celebrate the craft and um, you know be supportive of other people. I mean, and that's true for like we have people who are horror authors who let love to review other books and mm -hmm. you know bring light to other authors and. I mean, that's around, we have people working in all fields in the genre that work on Morbidly Beautiful, and that's all they all want to do. They just want to celebrate other <laughs> people. And it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Like you said, it's like, it, there's not an ounce of selfishness in the group. Everyone just wants to um, prop up other people. And yeah. uh, I think that's incredible. Yeah, I agree. That's like one of the things that uh, gets me out of bed every day and keeps me energized and excited <laughs> knowing that like you know there's other people who share this passion that I have and who are excited to be a part of a community and who just want to embrace the community and be supportive and be cheerleaders and um, super positive and and horror gets such a bad rap for being so like um, you know I don't even know like the adjectives people use but you did yeah like the the description that you gave of like we're all just super like broody and emo and dark, and, like you know. <laughs> or serial hard. killers ourselves. Yeah, we hate yeah. the world, and yeah, um, and that's just not true at all. There's yeah, I mean, all you have to do to, to prove that is you kill a dog in a horror movie and watch oh, everybody God. go, "What?" <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yes. That shows the humanity in and of itself. Like, yeah, it's, it's a no-no. Never do that. I know. There's like right. whole communities built around that, and whole like websites. I know dedicated to oh, films yeah. where they kill the animal which is i always find that like i'm a huge animal lover i'll just preface this but i find it kind of funny that we're like yeah kill as many people as you want no problem <laughs> don't dare kill a dog or kill a cat or um that's just a outrage it's pretty funny yeah because well, <laughs> people know what they're getting into yeah people know they're gonna die in a horror movie a dog doesn't yeah it's just hanging out right yeah and there's nothing sadder than that whimper or that like little oh. cry dog makes just like it, it it really honestly ruins a movie for me when that happens. Yeah, like I, I can't sit there. If, if that happened, I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, I was okay with this movie. Now I'm just like, yeah, why? That was a creative choice you made as a filmmaker to do that, you son of a bitch. But um, yeah, no. Oh. Lights went out at the back. Oh, no. Weird. Uh, we got a snowstorm today, so. Oh, wow. Snow. Oh, my God. I think it's like 75 degrees here or something. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah I think it's, well, that Fahrenheit, I don't know. It's probably, I don't know. What's what's freezing in Fahrenheit? We use Celsius up here. <laughs> you're, you're in Canada, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. in Canada. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Texas. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, like... probably like 50, I guess, would be about right. I don't know. Oh. But, yeah, we got like like four inches or five inches of snow this morning oh i'm, I'm kind of jealous i'm not gonna lie i love be. snow we never get snow i mean it's it's well, a miracle yeah, you're down in texas right yep yeah so not a whole lot of snow on that yeah. side of the and if we get atmosphere, like, if we get like a 
I don't know, like a cup full of snow. If somebody <laughs> snow on your lawn, the whole city shuts down. We're like, oh my god, snow day! Close everything. Snow day. Don't leave the house. Um, well, that means more good. time for horror movies. Oh yeah, I mean, I I'm like a kid. Im like, give me a sort of <laughs> any day. I if I any excuse to just like, oh, I can't leave the house. Sorry. I guess I have to lay in bed and watch horror movies all day. Darn. Too bad. Oh, yeah. I I, I wish. <laughs> we, yeah, I know. You last see. year we had like one snow day, and that's because it was freezing rain, and oh, the streets were literally like ice rinks. Yeah, it you was... just have to be buried in it. Like, <laughs> yeah. As to like, did you see the big avalanche? Yeah. Did you see that big storm on the East Coast of Canada last, no. last week, two weeks ago? No. They got, oh, what was that? They had four and a half feet? People's houses were literally buried. Oh. An avalanche hit outside of a, a town called St. John's in Newfoundland. And, uh, yeah, it just went right through a bunch of homes. And the streets were... People were opening the doors and they couldn't leave because it was just like an imprint of the door in the snow. <laughs> I mean, is it wrong that that sounds confusing? That's wrong, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I understand. <laughs> I totally get the appeal because you're not used to it. Yeah. But I'm sitting here like I could really go for some dry heat right now. Okay, yeah, we always have what we can have, right? Anything that we yeah, absolutely. So grass is always greener. That's why you got to live in like middle to northern California. I think they still get some oh, yeah. some seasonage over there, but still like reasonable. You get a little bit of snow, but it's not like you can't leave the house. Yeah, California is kind of perfect all the time. That's really not fair. Minus the earthquakes. Oh well, yeah. There's there's the earthquakes. <laughs> there's always something, right? There's always something. There's always <laughs> something. Anyway, alrighty. Thank you again, Stephanie, for joining me today. I'm gonna leave all that in. That was okay. great banter. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for joining me on this. Um, any uh, plugs you want to throw out there? Any obviously people can find you at Morbidly Beautiful. If they've listened to the podcast before, they it's right at the beginning. They know all that. Anything else you want to share? Um, no, just, yeah, morbidly beautiful. Um, we're doing, we're doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, we've got, uh, a big growth plan for this year. Um, we're adding, we added, just added our news division. We're bringing new mm-hmm. podcasts onto the network. Um, we're growing our social channels. We've got tons of women in horror month content, uh, coming this yes. month. We've got the challenge over at Instagram, um, at morbidly beautiful horror. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I've, like, you know, I've seen, like, what the writers are working on. Um, it's pretty amazing stuff. I mean, there's, like, tons of great interviews, um, really insightful editorial analysis pieces, um, mm-hmm. podcasts that are going to be focused on women in horror month, um, just across the board, lots of great stuff. So I'm super excited. Um, it's an amazing time. Um, we also do stuff like Pride Month. We do a really big thing for Pride Month. Um mm-hmm. You know, there's regular months of the year where we kind of do a big, you know, push for different things. So, so yeah, that's just, that's basically it. Just want people to kind of check that out, follow us on social, and stay connected because we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Awesome! Can't wait to check it all out. And again, you can find all that at morbidlybeautiful.com. So once again, that was Stephanie Malone, owner, operator, founder, and editor in chief of morbidlybeautiful.com. My name is Casey, and this has been the Ominous Origins Podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every little bit helps, especially reviews. 
So if you can spare a moment, that would be incredible. You can find me on social media, on Twitter at HorrorShotsProd, as in production, or on Instagram at HorrorShotsPhotography. That one doesn't get updated as much as I would like, but I'm hoping to do some more projects in the near future, so keep an eye out for that. Or you can join our Facebook group at HorrorShots. Lastly, if you do want to support the podcast monetarily, you can absolutely do so at Patreon, and that is at patreon.com slash horrorshots. Or if you're interested in some merchandise featuring the Ominous Origins logo, some original work, or the traditional Horror Shots logo, you can do that as well. The Redbubble link will be in the description. Until next time, when I have a brand new interview for you, I'm looking very much forward to it.